Jacko loves stray dogs. Beastie loves Sturlo. You know what they say about playing the game? You can't hear it today. I said now. Welcome back to Legal Counsel. Coming at you live on a Tuesday evening, as always, calling Jack Muir from our Melbourne branch. How's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. It's been interesting. Uh, Day, how many of those Thai kids they got out of that cave now? Do you keep do you follow current events anymore, or are you more um, just work-based? Um, I'm pretty shit at current events these days. I did make a point the other day of saying, from now on, I was going to try and watch SBS News as much as possible. Um, But that lasted about three days before I basically went back to normality, which is reading the paper back to front, taking a movie, the Daily Telegraph first, then the Herald. And that's really only a weekend thing. Apart from that, I'm scrolling new sites. So I did see that six of those Thai boys, half of them were rescued, but uh, I don't know about that. Six died, did they? No, I think they were working on the other half. Has huh. anyone told you or explained how the fuck do they get so far in there? I have no idea um, about the story. Didn't they go down there to dive and some sort of... No, uh, no, no, no. Like, I, heard, I heard that it was like a, a mating ritual. No, no, not a mating ritual. What's that ritual called Like um, when you get onto a team? A team bonding. Bonding ritual, we had to go in as far as you could or something and then write your name on the wall, but it just doesn't make sense. Why would 12 guys go for the mating, uh, for the ritual? Really? So Yeah, that's, well, that's what my <clears> wife is didn't they reading have, up on it. Didn't they have dive tanks with them? Oh, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know anything no, about shit, the story. No. Cave diving is an extreme sport, not to be taken by some um, developing world fourth formers. Yeah, well... Um, I know nothing about it, mate, so we're going to have to change tack real quick. How are you recovering from your your league? You, tra- you, you travelled to League Heartland in the weekend. Um, you came up on Friday, and we headed out on the Lithgow limousine out to Penrith Park. It's been a dream of mine for a long, long time. Um, now, the dream turned into a nightmare on the football field, but <clears throat> I quickly forgot about that because I was in heaven. How good was Penrith? Yeah, look, mate, it had everything I uh, wished for and more. Um, as you say, the football is just... Uh, I'm still gutted. I'm actually still gutted about it. It's like, I picked that weekend to come up because we are playing a origin-depleted Penrith side and we got flogged. I've now been to Sydney for six Warriors game, haven't, games, haven't seen us win one. Cool. Um, it's just, a, it's a hoodoo. And I've actually put myself on a uh, Sydney band until further notice. Um, it yeah. doesn't get the job done. But until, but you, until you come up again, you're never going to break the hoodoo. I know. It's, yeah, you just, yeah, it's an interesting hoodoo. And I, the league hoodoos, there's some great ones. The Raiders over the Dragons and... Um, this one's another one, the Muir going up to Sydney and the Warriors losing hoodoo. So, but what to, a city, what a town. Back to Penrith. Okay, I so... We, quick we got out there on the Lithgow limousine. It, it was, was just like a blink of an eye. Well, we did play my favourite game to, to play on a Friday which, with my mate Brad Cooper, a Penrith local, um, St Mary's boy. We like to go through the Daily Telegraph and go... Head to head in every position, one to seventeen, and we'll decide if it's a point to which team 
who's got the favour in that position, or we'll call a push if it's too close to call. And that's yeah, generally how generally how we'll pick who's going to win, and we used to punt them accordingly. So we went out there, and I think the scores between the Warriors and the Penrith was one player in the Warriors' favour. So probably leaning towards a closer-than-expected game. Yeah. Yep. Um, far out. We got flogged, and I put myself on a complete seven-day rugby league media ban after that because I couldn't take reading about the naysayers saying that the Warriors have come home to roost. I, I can't. My heart cannot take those articles that the scribes will be writing, and I have no idea what the rugby league world is saying this week because I'll, I'll ban myself. And this here podcast is my only really break from that ban this week, so... Um, well, it was a good weekend to start that off because it was the bye weekend, right? So hmm. it was you didn't really have much games to miss. So I guess you, you couldn't have picked a better um, one to have a league ban after getting after your team getting flogged. I mean, how good is it when you just take some beers on the Lithgow limousine? Oh. How, how quick it goes! I think having beers and just playing games and talking yarns does yeah. help the speed. If you could do that every night living out in Penrith. You'd be in heaven. Another and great the- game that we came up with on the way out was you go through every NRL stadium or games that have hosted NRL games and you put your hand up if you've watched an NRL game there. And I think someone, Mickey Darling, had 17 and the next best was 13. So he did incredibly well. Um, seen a lot of live league. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of league at grounds he hasn't seen at at. Like not not live, not in our L league, but like local Malcolm League, local New Zealand League, local Hong Kong League. Yeah, and you, you're an international man as well. I mean, we've seen a number of international games that, but we didn't actually see the NRL equivalent um, at the ground. But we got out to Penrith, we wandered off the train. Just league was in the air. Beautiful balmy oh. night too, which is you know <laughs> midwinter out there, so it could have been freezing, and. Just that pub for about 90 minutes where we had a one-man reggae show just pumping oh, out lead music, just wafting out the, the stereo, was coming up with Fine Young Cannibals or a little bit of UB40. It was just... Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean he threw out there. Yeah. And then wandered down to probably a bit more grittier pub, a bit more working man. Old Buck. So the first one was uh, Red Cow. The second one was old Uncle Buck, I believe. And... Another good establishment, just wall-to-wall sports. Had a little yeah. bit of mingling with the locals, um, and I proceeded to name the entire 2003 Penrith 1-17 winning team. Impressed the local. Yeah. Um, and then he told me that the Panthers would win 19-plus, and I fucking fell off my chair giving them a serve. <laughs> he was right. He was, he was smoking some good stuff he, he could see into the future. And then wandering up to the stadium, just... It was like I'd never really thought of Penrith Park as a real, a real stadium that I would be impressed with. But I was impressed. It was a perfect blend of old and new. A little bit more updated than a Leichhardt. The surface, you could just eat your lunch off it. It was beautiful. Yeah, that walk to the ground from Uncle Bucks to uh, the to the Penrith Park was incredible. Just to see the. Shopping trolleys everywhere. Did you notice that? They were everywhere, down every ditch and any looking little nook and cranny you'd find a uh, shopping trolley. Then we got into the ground. And can you remember that bloke gave me the uh, the um, dupes? Yeah, you had a little bit of a um, spliff on the way in, didn't you? 
Who was it? Was it a Maori boy? Oh, I can't remember. I'd had a few. Rogers. Yeah, I'd had a few. And then we walked past Joey and... Sterlo. Um, Sterlo, who just dogged us, thank God. Yeah, thank God. And then, yeah, gee, that hill's good. Yeah, the hill, it just felt right, didn't it? And it wasn't too packed in. I'd say three-quarter full crowd. Um, apparently, the Dragons game, they said you couldn't move. Um, and that would have been a fantastic game to be at. But um, it wasn't like an air of confidence in the air. I think everyone in the crowd thought, you know, if we if we get close, we'll be doing well. And it was vintage, a vintage steaming pile of turd warrior performance, which we're not going to go into any detail. But the facilities were great. I took a piss next to Solomon Kada's brother um, when we were down significantly. Did you? I don't think I told you. I think I remember that now. And I think I do now. And he, and he had in his hand. Back like 30 tickets that he had clearly not been able to get rid of, or he was maybe just the designated ticket holder within the family unit. Um, but he looked like Qatar, just spitting image, but 25 kgs heavier. Really? Like he was wide, mate. He was like the back of a bus. And, wow. Uh, didn't get a look at his hog. I was pissing next to him. He, <laughs> he, he didn't have, he had a thick Tongan accent, didn't speak wonderful English, but... Um, Do you really lived out there? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm going to say yes. Just, it just felt right. He was wearing a Tongan um, parka. Yeah, it's a nice little sort of um, warm-up jacket. Hey, hey, I think I can. I'm saying to piece things together. I think you did tell me. Yeah, I definitely did. But I mean, if if that was that was like the the entree, the main course was going to Penrith Leagues, wasn't it? I remember walking over there with some just, uh, let's say, disillusioned Warriors fans. I've just had that walk so many times. Oh. Like, and then we went to the Entertainment Mecca, which is Panthers Leagues. And then just when you walk in, it's like just seeing Regan Campbell Gillard in a life-size photo on the wall. That sort of stuff is what our game's all about. Well, it was like a Roman Colosseum. You're walking in there thinking that you're in the States when you walk into, say, Caesar's yes. Palace, right? I was about to say that, actually. And yeah, wall-to-ceiling photos of the, of the Panthers 2018 squad, and you just, just take a big look at Nathan Cleary's beautiful jaw, Dean Fare's mesmerising eyes, and Regan Campbell-Gillard and his just well-manicured mani- moustache, and you just feel like you're part of a club that just... Fuck, I've bought it the five-year plan now with Phil Gould. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And it's yeah, sort of like four nightclubs in one with a casino, pokies, you know, far as the eyes can see. I went and threw 70 bucks in there. I was just mentally, I was like, I needed to, I needed to break away from you guys and have some time alone. So actually, That's right, you did the go to the pokies for a bit. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it was still, I'll tell you what, it was a far cry from the Rickon and Knights leagues, I tell you. <laughs> it was. We probably were a little bit subdued uh, in the after party because, A, we knew that we had to take the last train back. Which and, I missed and, and wasn't missed. allowed into red cow afterwards, which I thought was, a, like, as I said to someone in the weekend, I said, when you uh, get refused entry to a Penrith establishment, you're really on. Uh, you're really struggling, right, aren't you? Yeah. But I mean, nah. To be honest, Peter, they good on them. They had their rules to stick to. Um. So I had a skinful. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I can still remember the train trip back. But 
from then on. But didn't, you, didn't you get the one that stopped at every station? Yeah, yeah, I didn't get the express. Well, we, we were yeah, waiting for yeah. you, and it just sort of didn't work out that well. Um, I mean, if, and if that wasn't, you know, enough league of the, of the weekend, I mean, I would have been happy with that. But I didn't actually know what I had in store for me the next day when you rang me up and said, we're going to Henson Park to watch the Jets play. And I was like, fucking hell, what an idea. So picked up my son, took him to his first league game. And that's his first league game. That's his first league game. Brilliant. Just 18 months old. But I'll say this. The Henson, the pub, that's what, top five I've seen in Sydney. That is That had it all, didn't it? That was just a <laughs> fucking atmosphere. The walk down to the ground. Oh. I mean, could you play an NRL game there? No, Could the Tigers, nah, why not? Well, you just couldn't. I mean, it's, it's, for me, walking into that stadium, we've got to park right outside. That that's was right, something. but we got there early. But walking into that, I mean, that's the team that lost the 1979 Grand Final. 81. 81. 81 as well. Didn't they use 1979 too? Oh, don't think so. Maybe. Nah. And Maybe. F- can you imagine full-blown NRL going off at that game? At that game? No, and then two years later they were gone. Two years after the 81 after Grand Final they, they were gone. And yep, what was the reason? Yep. Financial. And then a lot of their juniors, the Newtown Junior League got, um, they got uh, swept up by St. George and the South Juniors Leagues. But they, when they got um, left the comp, they were always, it was always like, oh, they'll be back next year. They'll always be back next year. And they just couldn't get their shit together. It's one of those things where if you go, it'd be so much harder to get back in. Um, I mean, but you, I mean, had, you had a feeling of community there, though, didn't you? Like everyone, it's almost one of those things I was trying to explain to a league neutral fan. G was saying that it's like, the fact that they're no longer there in the NRL almost makes the community stronger. It almost makes them support them even more because it's almost it's like a, an extinct, something that's extinct, the Jets. It's, correct, it's... correct. I, I, when I was sitting at the ground, I was thinking, humans just love, they love comfort. In, no, no, it's not that. It's comfort and those people will just go down to the park. None of them would even watch the league, a lot of them. They're just like sitting on the park. It's just something they've done for years and it makes them feel comfortable it's like mm. they I don't know they want to win overseas you always feel but if I went back to I don't know crime scene and like sat at the at a pub I used to drink it make you, it just makes you feel comfortable and those it's traditions the humans naturally they just yeah it's just something it's almost like home right it's like you go there you have a beer on the hill you have a sausage singer and then wow. you head over to the hints and get blind it's just <laughs> oh, that, that comfort is, is oh, it was incredible because just a little traditions, that bloke biking around, the crowd of 8,972. Tadishi said it a couple of years ago on a Making the Nut. He said, actually, I don't know if you remember this. Mm. Tadishi, everyone knows, is Riharry and I's favourite league journalist. He said, if you're a true league man, you have to go to Henson Park on mm. a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And, and I can reiterate that. For anyone out there, you've got to do it. And you've got to start at the Henson, finish at the Henson, it's bloody brilliant. And and the 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 guy on the um on the MC, the ground announcer, was br- yep. <laughs> was brilliant. Every time there was a try scored by the opposition, he'd say, "Anyone see that? I didn't see it." Um, or he'd like <laughs> say, "Great try from Newtown. Sorry, I didn't see what happened there." And then there's the scoreboard that says "crowd eight thousand nine hundred seventy-two," which they have the same crowd every single home game, which was the last crowd. 
when they were in the comp, the last home ground. So it's always the same crowd. And just seeing, you know, a couple of semi-first green, a bit of Brock Lamb out there, a bit of Sasai yeah. Feki, a bit of Brendan Uale. It's just, it was rugby league at its finest. So Yeah, the, the other thing they've done well is with their paraphernalia, right? We oh, all yeah. threw some money. At the, it's because, like, they worked out they're not an NRL team, so people that support other NRL teams are comfortable buying it, right? And it, it works out. They've done well marketing-wise. What did you did you buy the Tommy Rodonigas T-shirt that said "Not Me"? Sir? I, I should have got. I got the hoodie. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so I left right, and and that was me. But you've probably got a story to tell. Where did you end up? Um, so I went back over the road to the Henson had a beer with. Watto, Stewie. Big fan of the show. Shout out to Stu. Um, Cheers, Stu, for coming down and getting us down there. And G. And we had a few beers there. Oh, gee. That was, I'd have to probably say that was my highlight of the trip, right? At the Going back after the Henson, our part, going after the uh, Henson part, and just sitting there in a crowded league bar, looking up at um, some New South Wales Cup being played at Belmore, and just... The atmosphere, just 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 chugging on uh, young New Towns or young New Harry Henrys or whatever it's called. That was my, you know, when you have moments of trips. Mm. That that was the the, the pinnacle you, for me. You were at peace at that moment, weren't you? I was at peace. It was brilliant. And then anyway, Stewie had to go to back up north, up uh, north Sydney, and then G and I and Watto and Watto's mate went to the Trinity in Surrey Hills. You caught up with David what, Stagg, is that right? Uh. On the David Staggs? No, 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 no. I didn't see David Stagg. And then um, I saw Cribby, Ryan Cribb there, the uh, former uh, manly under-20 Senate. Uh, so I watched the Doggies Raiders with him. And then what I and me went to the um, the clock and just talked more league. Oh, what I was with, with, with that Raiders, with that Raiders uh, dogs game, they were up by 18 or 16 with five to go, six to go. Is that right? What happened? They just... Combust, self-combusted. That's what the dogs can do. Jeez, Dean Pay must be on suicide watch. How did the Raiders do that from there? Well, BJ Lalua. Did you see, you see the, the way, way he carried on? He carried on at BMOS. Didn't, both I Morris's. didn't, I've just heard about it. And he got... Fucking ravaged for that. See, Beemons just signed with the. Um, he thinks there's a bit no, of Josh. life left in the in the wigs. Oh, sorry, uh, Jmos gone to the Sharks, the oldest club. It's the place where ex rep footballers go to die, isn't it? Oh yeah, I heard someone say the other day it's the Sharks are trying to um, sign up Laurie Daly's Origin team. <laughs> Fuck, that's actually not a bad shout. <laughs> Isn't he? They are everywhere. Dugan, Fafida, Gallen, Lewis, Graham, Woods. now Morris, Woods. Sharon Woods. It's fucking every. <laughs> but that's shit. Imagine if that team was actually functioning two and a half years ago. How good that'd be. Yeah, I know. Um, Sharkies. Yeah, fuck. I just, I don't know. That's uh, you, you'd hope that they didn't pay a huge amount of money for him. No, surely not. How old is Josh Morris these days? He must be 32. 32 minimum. And he is... I always... I think when you look back on their careers, would you say Josh Morris had a better one? 
It's hard to. It's fucking hard to well, say. Cause early just... early career, but when they're both at the Dragons, Brett was just. I don't know if he was that much better because I don't think anyone could actually tell him apart back then. That's and they the were both wingers. But Brett was the one that got all the press, and then Josh left early to go to because he had a bit of pressure from Nightingale, and um, yep. he went over to go to the Dogs and ended up playing. Then centre. became a very good senior. Yeah. He, he in his first couple of years there though he wasn't amazing, and then he had I would say from about. 2010 2012? to 2000. So they're two grand final years, uh, 12 and 14. No, nah, 14 wasn't as good. Yeah, 12, 13 hit was peak. 10, Morris, he I was, think. yeah. 10 to 14. Let's just, let's just say that. Okay. He was I think, yeah. The premier centre in the game, or him and Inglis, certainly the two. Yeah, definitely. He was just, could do, every time he got the ball, he did something. But And I don't think Brett Morris ever had that effect on the, the comp or the. You know, or or of his team, he couldn't do that. You know, well, so they turned thirty-two next month. I don't know. I think you're being a bit harsh on Brett Morris. He had a couple of years where he was by far and away the best winner in the comp. In fact, I think the Morrises are probably going to go down slightly underrated, and I think it's maybe because of the identical twin factor that every feat that one of them did maybe got divided by two a little bit. Or you could you know say I mean? every feat they did sort of got multiplied by one point five potentially. But, so I mean, who Morris, played more rep football? Who played more rep football? Brett. No. Uh, yeah, he did. Because, right. because Josh only played for Australia one time, I believe. Oh, he played six times. How, how many did Brett play for Australia? 18. Yeah. The, and that's... 14 New South Wales games for Josh and 15 for Brett. That's quality. I mean, give that, those two guys have had a, a storied careers. Yeah, so um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Brett Morris was more consistent over his two his over his career, mm. but at peak Josh was better. Well, I think Josh did because of he at centre. His def- the thing is with wingers, right? You you can't show your defensive prowess as a winger as much as you can as a centre. So if you're yeah. a centre, you get one on one tackles and you bake, you you tend to match some uh, match up against some match winners like Inglis. And on the centre stage, Josh Morris did a great job of handling Inglis, and I think that'll be one of his legacies. But as a winger, even if you're a brilliant defender, you don't really get to showcase your defensive skills that often. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. But you can also make a you can also show that your defensive skills are shit if you keep running off the line all oh, the time. Coming off your wing, right? Is I know a couple of people that almost exclusively. Every time someone comes off their wing, they'll text me and they'll go, what the really? fuck was happening? Um, shout out to Robert Miller um, in the Bay of Plenty, New Zealand. He loves that, doesn't he? <laughs> he just, he'll go, Tom Dvorovic, Origin 2, why the fuck did you come off your wing, Tommy? And he's right, even brilliant players. I mean, he's a fullback uh, turbo. But just that decision-making of coming off your wing, like, who's a, who's a great defensive winger? I was trying to think this the other day. Ed O'Carr does a pretty good job of positional play on your wing, but I think generally most nine out of ten wingers are fucking headless gooses, aren't they? Got it. But don't you have to shut it down? I don't know, mate. I, I have grown up the way of defending. I've always been an out, up and out defender. So the concept of coming up and in off your wing to to, to close it out is so foreign to me that I just don't get it. Yeah, I the thing about league, though, I trust the inside man. In league, though, you have to. Um, you're always a bit wider on the wing, especially on the last, on the fourth and fifth, because you are expecting that kick. But you're right. I mean, if you're 
if you're, your 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 sideline is your best defender, yeah. the problem is now that if a, these the wingers the opposite wingers can score these acrobatic tries, it's very difficult to um you can't give them any room. You know, I think that, that, that there's a there's a level of sort of I, I would say a percentage higher of I'd rather put my odds of a winger beating me if I was fast, which I'm not. But if I was a, as a winger in the NRL, I'd rather someone, I'd rather give a guy the sideline than than um, close up on him. Yeah, and I was, I was thinking about this the other day with the um, the huge influx of acrobatic tries in the corner from wingers. Do opposition do wingers have to start changing their defence, like just getting their legs and going straight down into touch, rather than I mean the natural the natural um, instinct is just to push them. But all you're doing is pushing them, almost um, turning around the turning around the axis of the ball. But really, what you might want to do is actually maybe let them keep, let them get past you a little bit, grab their legs, and just force it down into touch. Do you know what I mean? You're right because I mean pre, which Andrew Voss commonly recalls to uh, recalls the greatest rule, and he actually he actually compassioned against the um, NRL to change it. He claims that he did it. The greatest rule that they've ever done was, was making the corner post. Um, you know, you could touch it when you went out. But back prior to that happening, is great way of defence was just pushing a guy as hard as you could and making him um, pushing him out, wasn't he? Wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Um, and that was. But I, I like the dimension it's added to this game. Oh, it's, um, it's been but, brilliant. But the but the re- the wingers have to change their defensive technique, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. I think you're going to have to either get up in their faces more and, and show them the outside. Um, and I'd like to see some wingers experiment, experiment with it and, and really sort of force their wingers to either, their opposite winger to either beat them on the outside or maybe kick in behind them. Um, tomorrow, Origin 3, no build-up in, in the New South Wales. Oh, there has been on a couple of forums I've been on. I mean, jeez. Minimal. I'd say Have compared they to sold it out? Don't know. Where is it? Brisbane. Okay. So what about this as a concept, right? Just like in the NBA playoffs, it's the first of two to win, right? What's the point of having a dead rubber? Why not just not play it? Uh, I mean, revenue, isn't it? Because people still go to the dead rubber. That's obviously the answer, but... And they'll never change it, so there's no point of having the argument. But, I mean, fuck, there's, who the hell wants to watch a dead rubber? No one. No. Uh, a whitewash, is that big in origin? Do you reckon really thumping someone and beating them 3 nah, it doesn't really matter. But then what would happen then ends up just being... Uh, yeah, I mean, they'll tell you who would hate it is the TV yeah, stations. About the, yeah, right, isn't it? Um... Yeah, but you're right. The American model is you don't play dead rubbers, do you? No. Imagine, imagine beating someone. Um, you're four up, nil. You're up four <laughs> nil in the NBA finals, and you play the last three games. That would be. A, but I mean, <laughs> right, yeah, it's a. You just wouldn't play any of your players. You'd be playing the bench. It would be the worst <laughs> TV you could ever imagine. Yeah, but it, uh, it, I guess the players also get paid per game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an odd one. Um, you know, could they just instead play a Australia versus New Zealand game? They could. 
but you know, pretty hard to organise, I guess, pre-season. No, 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 not Australia versus New Zealand. The winner of the Origin Series versus New Zealand. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd buy into that 100%. Tonga, or each year you'd say, you say, Tonga, um, we don't know if we'll give you a game against Queensland but, or New South Wales, but if they win 2-0, you do. You're It'll ready. Be, You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready, yeah, but you've got three weeks to build up, so it's not too bad. Yeah, true. Um, so, Reese Martin, in the last three weeks, has come out of, some people say he's come out of nowhere, People that know rugby league know there's a Papua New Guinean international and he's been languishing in reserve grade for way longer than he should have been. Yep. His kicking, has he missed? Or is he like... I think he's been in grade for three weeks and I'm hearing a lot of buzz about him as a goal kicker. He's something like 21 from 22 or something. Has he missed even? Maybe even even missed. Not bad. It's sort of... Uh, those that early mid nineties when you got those just players that could kick. How there, good! There was a real golden era before we get back to Reese Martin. There's a real golden era in the early nineties, wasn't it? You had Jason Taylor, Daryl Halligan, Eon yeah. Crossan. You had almost specialist kickers who were just shit players back then. Bodica, um, although Ridgeton and Bodica were actually an decent players. Kicker back then. Um, then you had. As Halligan retired, he passed the torch over to Chazam al and Joey had a couple of decent years of goal-kicking. I guess it's probably consistently gone to a higher level in the last sort of 10 or 15 years. You get a lot more kickers that are... Because back then it was... You were either shit or you were brilliant. There was no middle sort of ground, was it? There was some horrible the, goal-kicking. You still had toe-hackers going around yeah. like... Meninga. Meninga and... Was Terry Madison a toe-hacker or... He was, he was toe-hacker. Yeah. Who was another late one that sort of stayed in toe... Bartram, no. No, Wayne Bartram was around the corner. Ferner? No, what about Ferner? Ferner was around the corner kicker and he took over from Meninga and was actually, you know, high 60s, which, which I remember as a Raiders fan at the time, I fucking took with both hands. High 60s. So this, this is a good question and we might need to answer it on uh, Twitter at legal under slash council. Who kicked the last toe hack game, toe hack kick in an NRL game? And no, oh, there's probably some. No, there's a lot of one off. Like Nathan Highmarsh has a celebratory kick, so you can't count those ones. But did he, yeah, okay, so not not counting those ones, it might be Terry Madison. He might have been ninety. Don't know if Madison. I mean, it was, was a toe hacker. I don't think Madison was a toe hacker. Uh, it's an interesting one. Well, anyway, let poker. us know on. That's Toe Poker, yeah. yeah. I mean, who was the first NRL um, round the corner? Oof, you'd have to... I mean, a beautiful round the corner kicker in, in a day of, you know, your Shearers and your Wally Lewis and Meninga and, and Peter Jackson when we were toe poking was Michael O'Connor, who had a rugby background. He was a gorgeous round the corner kicker. And yes, I think was, he was yeah. probably one of the first glamour kickers to come into the NRL. Correct, kicked that, yeah, yeah. Kick that one in the wet... In the wet at SCG, that's right. 43 metres. Time is up. One of the great kicks ever. They have different shaped shoes or boots. Yes. Nowadays. Yeah, definitely. No, you know what I mean? For toe hacking, do they have a uh, flat end? I think they did. I think they used to get steel um, caps put into them so they didn't break their toes. No. <laughs> Maybe. 
No, they definitely didn't. Um, back to Reese Martin. Have you actually? I don't think I've seen much of him other than just hearing mates just wax on about bulldog mates going how good he is. Is he? What's, what's his position? Second row or the lock? Second row. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's his row. game and, like? Uh, he's just solid. I mean, I wouldn't. He's made a few. I mean, he's running through a few other opposition second rowers, but that's basically because I think he's people take him e- easy when they play the um, Bulldogs. But yeah, he's done his time. He's 25 years old, out of Ken's, Um Played actually for Newtown. He was actually at the Ro- in the Roosters squad for a while. Then went up to North Queensland and, and played Interest Super Cup. He's obviously been playing for Papua New Guinea for for uh, he made his debut for Papua New Guinea in 2014. Um, and then signed with the Doggies in end of 2016, and has this is so he's playing for a contract. Um, so this is his third year with the Dogs, and he's only just got to first grade. That was the year last year with the Dogs, and this is last year contracted. So he's playing to get another season this year. But I mean, the thing is, to me, why do the Dogs have left? They've left, left, let Josh Morris go. Not that he was going to be the future of the club. They are going to feel well, one of the... the... I was talking to a Dogs fan, Stu, at the Newtown game, and he goes, just he, he said afterwards, thanks for just saying how it is. I said that the easiest money you'll ever make next year is putting the Dogs to um, win the wooden spoon. They've got no one. It could be. It reminds me of the Parramatta Eels 2010, 11, 12 teams. Which had the yep. worst roster I think I've ever seen in in NRL that I can remember. This dog and side's going to be worse. Stephen actually said, "Yes, I'll coach them." That was a oh, dumb. And move. Ricky Stewart took him off Stephen, and it was just fucking just as bad. But this dogs team, they have signed for next year. Christian Crichton, who is a bad player, is the only guy I can actually think of who they've signed. Yep, they are going to be. And I heard someone, I think it might have been Dean Pay, who I'll go on record as, he's not, he's not a first-grade coach. They've gone on record saying they're going to scour the globe for players. So they're going to go... Canada? They're going to go anywhere bar Australia because they won't be able to afford anyone in Australia. But wow. maybe the Super League's their way. Maybe they try and get a couple of Super League stars to come out. I mean, who wants to play for the dogs at the moment? I mean, that's the problem. It's sort of... It's a two, it's, three year thing. It's it's where Newcastle were three years ago. Watch watch some of that footy like for three years straight. That's what the dogs are going to be like. They're they're broken. It's it's after Bennett left Newcastle is what's happening. It's basically you're going to say the Dib Hassler Castle era is is like that Bennett era in Newcastle. It's as bad as you are ever going to see a football team. And dogs, you are not playing finals football for at least three years. It's a really sad story, really. Cause, not I mean, really. What, what? Yeah, I know. It's not. You're right, actually. We'll leave it at that. I hate them. I haven't made the fucking finals since 2011, mate. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you're right. They take you good with the bad. We've taken it's our bad seven for a while. straight after a grand final. So it can fall off a cliff. Dogs fans, it can actually get worse, believe it or not. Ask Newtown Jets. You can get booted out of the comp. A um, couple of quick little things that you just want to touch on. Rugby League books, are you reading a decent Rugby League book at the moment? No, I don't really read Rugby League books anymore, but I mean, have you read Wayne Bennett's Don't Die With The Music In You? Is that his first book? I think it is. It's no, no good, don't read it. No, no uh, hang on, hang on. The Wayne Bennett book I've read, I would say, 
circa 99-2000 is what, one of, if not the best league book I've ever read. No, okay, well, I'm talking about, don't, no, mine was later. It was just the sequel, do you think? Oh, you're reading The Man in the Mirror. Yes. Yeah, I was the Don't Die with the Music, and he's just a boring man. He's just very boring. Okay. Um, the other good rugby league books I enjoyed was um, each season, oh, the rugby league annual, um, 19, early 90s New Zealand would go, oh, I was brilliant, it would give you uh, some in- some uh, information on the ga- on the, whatever happened that season. Like they used to have the rugby like an you know, the cricket annuals. No, but yeah. you remember you had the cricket annual, which was more glossy, coloured photos, and then yeah. you had the almanacs, which was pure stats. It had runs and balls and minutes, fours and sixes. Whereas the cricket annual only had like how many runs each player scored. You know, um, oh. so I like the rugby league annual. In fact, a great listener to the show, Ben Burrows. Um, I think he lent me his nineteen ninety three rugby league annual, and you'd go back and you'd see Papa Nui play Linwood in the at the Pat Smith Trophy in Christchurch and stuff like that. Um, another worthy mention would be um, I don't know. You know any other books? I've, I've, well, I read Mel Meninga, My Life in Football, cover to cover, three times when I was a big wow. Raiders man. I also was very fond of Matthew Ridge's book. Um, Wayne Bennett's first book, as you said, Man in the Mirror. Um, just Matthew Ridge's book was brilliant. It was so candid. I remember one story that really stood out at me was when Jeff Tuvey, he came to the club and Jeff Tuvey was about to have his 21st. Yeah. And he just, if you didn't know Tuvey, he hated you basically. And so Ridge hadn't really got to know him yet. And he was walking around the changing room handing out his 21st invites. Yep. And he'd be basically giving them out in front of the whole team in the change room. And he'd be going, yep, yep, look someone in the eye, move on, and just go, nah. And right in front of the whole team, people would be really? going nuts or yeps. And he looked at Ridge and he just shook his head and go, nah. And didn't give him one to, an invite to his 21st. Really? I just yeah. thought the tubes would be like that, but Jesus Christ. Um, and I think you'd just invite the whole team, wouldn't you? Well, most people would just go get on a little microphone or whatever it was at the end, stand on a, um, an old crate box and say, right, guys, my 21st is this weekend. Exactly. Um, I'm putting a 50-bag order in. Anyone uh, anyone want to get in now? And a few few laughs out, a few sniggers, and then you know, you'd know probably do a David Vialiki order as well back in those days. Exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, I also brilliant. got given... My mum knew that I loved League, but... She sort of like, you know, you know when you obsessively love League as like a 12-year-old and you want those books. Mum just never got the memo that like I didn't want any more League biographies. So into my late mm. 20s, she was still throwing them at me. And I got a horrible run. I got a trifecta of Steve Price, Shane Webkey, and who was the third one? Uh, might it have wasn't been Tara Nikas. Might have been Talus. And just like I was just had no business reading them, but they were all lined up at home, just back to back to back, the old league biographies. I remember yeah. actually reading um, Tara Nikas at yours. It was quite inspirational. Yeah, I, I wrote Tara Nikas. It was called Standing Tall. Still remember that photo of him and his missus in front of the Huntley Power Station. That was real league. I remember uh, his, the name that, of his kids, Heaven and Time. I read when I was lying on the floor of your bedroom uh, after coming down for a league trip and just, I don't think I had any sleep, so I just started reading Tara Nikos' book. It was, uh, 
Whereabouts? A real page turner. In Wellington? I think you got up the next morning to go and play um, Game of League. Wow, well, I can't remember that. Yeah. Um, all right, as, you, as always, we're just looking ahead to round 18. Starting to get squeaky bum time for a few teams. Um, Is it, though? Not really. I mean, everyone's coming out going, oh, you're going to not make it in the eight. I mean, oh, we will. Yeah, obviously I think so. But you don't like a little patch of maybe losing two or three in a row. Um, It can make you second-guess yourself. But we're we're back to real football now. There'll be a few Origin players not play, but Panthers-Sharks, two days after Origin. Pub game. You would say... The pub game, Anthony Griffin is not going to um, risk Maloney and Cleary after what Tyrone May and Joel um, Luani did on Friday. So there's a good chance that they'll run up against the full-strength Sharks team at it's Pepper in, Stadium. It's at Pepper Stadium, yeah. Our stadium. I love that's, it. That's, that's the match of the round. Cracking game. You've got... Um, Apart from Knights, that, the Eels, is it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting to no, it's see not. who can score the least points. Dogs, uh, Rabbitohs, you've got a bit of a dud game there. Sea Eagles, Storm at Lotto Land, the old uh, uh, return to Donny Brookvale. You don't know. You never know. Raiders, Cowboys. Raiders hosting yuck. Cowboys. Now, if the Raiders win that and so one cool. of these teams who are on 22 points lose, they start to put a little bit of pressure on them. Um, you've got Broncos Warriors, which is a big Can I game. just say, a daytime game at Suncourt makes me wild on a Sunday. 2 p.m. Sunday. That is, what, that is what you live for as a Brisbane resident, just walking down, having lunch, and at Kex and Go walking in on a, on a, oh, the Kekko or um, the Paddington, and then you end up down there... On a sunny day, mid-winter, that is, that's another thing every league person's got to do. It's up there with Henson Park. Yeah, oh, I think that, that's, that's definitely on the, um, on the uh, agenda for the next couple of years, without a doubt. But that's a 2pm game, which never happens in Suncorp. So can the Broncos play in the daytime is the question. Dragons against the Tigers, who are in free fall. And the Titans... That's at win? That's at Jubilee. No, Jubilee. Okay, I just don't like Jubilee as a football ground. I'll be honest with you. But Benji but, Marshall's back, which I'm fired up for. Oh, that's good here. And then the Titans, who could be good, could be shit. You never know when they turn up. Um, versus the Roosters, who have sort of now snuck up to fifth place after the bye. So it's, it's starting to come into real, you know, these next eight rounds. Sorry, the next six rounds. Eight rounds, my mistake. Just, there's going to be good football happening, isn't there? There's going to be classic late season, big matches, lots at stake, positions jockeying for. I mean, the next eight yeah. weeks, post-Origin, if you're a football fan, I mean, there's going to be some brilliant games. And you want to get it to your alliances on a Sunday afternoon, your, your Wollongongs on a Saturday afternoon, or your Suncorps on a Saturday afternoon, or your... Pepper Stadium's on a Friday night. That's just where it's all going to happen. Because the weather should start getting better now. Hard tracks. The, the shadows forming over the Allianz Stadium in an early September semi-final. That's what, you, that's what we're waiting for, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And um, what did you see? I'm going to 
we've had some interest from uh, our listeners. They want us to interview Steve Betts, and I've got some. Uh, he started to start talking to me, who was apparently the best NRL touch judge from the eighties and nineties. Oh, and yeah. we're going to talk to him about what a good, what is a, how do you become a good touch judge? Oh, so you can do that. So you, if you made contact with him, have you? Yep. So oh, look I might forward try to that. And tee that up for next week. Oh, make me wild. That'll be good. Um, until then, mate, I'm on a media ban until my media ban's up on Friday at 5.59. So I'll be tuning into the Panthers Sharks for the pub game. Um, but until then, mate, got to love your league. Got to love your league. Wake up in the morning after the weekend To get an update on the NRL Me legal counsel Wake up in the morning after the weekend To get an update on the NRL my legal counsel Hits of the week and scandals on Monday A story from Jack about a urinal My legal counsel